today we are joined by Michelle Vasaki. <laughs> My humble apologies, Dr. Michelle Vasaki. <laughs> Michele, you know, there, we there we go. You got to deal with you that. Gotta deal with that. What, a, you. what a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me today. I'm Self-described Michelle. poet, doctor, <laughs> influencer, changer of lives, saver of hearts, breaker of hearts. Michele. Wow. Quite a mouthful that. <laughs> and baker and runner. And Baker and Runner. I mean, I, th- I think that's an adequate introduction. <laughs> leave, leave some shit for the rest of us to do. No. I, 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 saw, I said it when I first met you. It's, there's one thing being disarmingly good looking. Then you're supposed to be stupid. That's how the world works. And it's fair. Or you're a pedophile or something. And it just balances out. But it stacked up against me. I was very nervous about doing the show because of Chloe leaving me post-it. <laughs> But um, we persevere. But re- Chloe Marble, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Flustered already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> blushing. I'm just, blushing. Just feeling awkward. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to move my chair a little bit. <laughs> yeah. A little to the left, yeah. <laughs> wow. But let's, let's start at the beginning. It's always good to just bust it open, bust it wide open. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What would you say your main sort of identifier is? Because we've thrown a lot at the wall. What mm. sticks? I think... The thing that I probably worked the hardest at in my life was becoming a doctor. Um, I, I hate to think that I'm defined by my occupation, but I think that being a doctor is not really an occupation. If you think about it, um, we're actually having this discussion earlier. Like, there are so many realms within the medical profession mm. that that I feel that that as an umbrella term is a pretty good expression of who people are. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that if I had to define like when people ask me like you know. What, tell me a little bit more about yourself. I'm the proudest to say I'm a doctor. Yes. So, But that is an awesome... I know people don't like getting defined by it, but it's not like yeah. one... You, I've never, ever introduced myself as a podcaster because I think I'd die of... <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> oh, cringe or something. Just be like, hey, I'm an influencer. I, yeah. Oh, no. I have told many walk people. Away. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw someone described as a South African influencer. And that just... I don't know why. It just, to me, it doesn't make sense. Miguel. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Do you have your own sort of emoji, GIF, GIF? I wish I did. It's actually such a good idea. There is, there is one that goes like this. Yeah, though. but yeah. your overused already, so I need to like refine it. Yeah, shut yeah. the fuck up, Chloe. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be this and then the doctor. It's going to yeah, be the doctor so. doing this. A little stethoscope thing. No, but, but honestly, like people don't know how to say my name. So mm. really, I, we joke about this. But honestly, if you do this... I will feel I will feel like you've said my name correctly. Mm. Even if you call did I say child. did I say it correctly when Absolutely. I was doing it properly? <laughs> give, it, give it again. Did I say it? Michele. 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 There's emphasis on the e. Italians mm. are weird because they don't use like any additional punctuation or anything. They just believe that people are going to know how to say things. Mm. But if you do this, then they'll. It just helps. Wh- which side of your family is Italian? My father. Your father. Father's okay. Italian. I'm a second generation Italian. Okay. Somehow my grandfather from the north and my grandmother from the south found each other on a boat and they traveled to South Africa and then they had my father. So have you got a, one of those good, good passports? I do. I have one of those maroon little, um, <laughs> it's the worldwide. <laughs> Sam's just with his green mamba. What do you have? A German oh, passport. Oh yeah, that's true. The breakup is imminent. I need to add that to the title, you know, mm. did you, did Italian you know, passport. did you know we were dating? Because we get a lot of bizarre hate online about particularly aimed at me saying, I'll never escape the friend zone. I only try and be edgy because it's my only, what is that about? Did you, did it, does it come across, or must we do more PDA? I think, I think um, uh, yeah, you got you to start doing a little bit more PDA. Okay. 
We'll we'll <laughs> we'll work. Oh, sorry. I thought there you go. <laughs> sorry. You see how bad I we mean, are. I didn't know, but I was very disappointed at it. <laughs> yeah. No. No. no I'm just kidding. <laughs> no kissing on the pot. We got to get it because people have flocked to this channel now and said, "Who's this hunk? Are you in a relationship?" I am in a relationship. Um, a new relationship. Um, but it's going well. I I came to Cape Town as a single guy. Um, and then you know you kind of find your feet. And dating in Cape Town is you. The streets. Uh, I, I don't even want to. I don't know. I don't have a word for that. Mm. Um, it must be yeah. terrible for you as well. It's so hard. <laughs> so hard to find. A, <laughs> so hard to find people to socialize with. Oh, you're just a doctor. Oh, loser. Oh, and a cancer survivor. Mm, maybe. <laughs> That's what we left out of the introduction. I felt That's there was true. something big. That is a that is a big one. Yes. Um, but it usually comes into conversation a little bit later. So. It does. Yeah. You yeah. warm up to a bit of foreplay. People <laughs> people really don't like to start talking about their balls. The, in, the, the at the get go, you know. That's true. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it also just made me think. So now, obviously, when you're giving people their diagnosis, is that the word? That is the word. Correct. Yeah. Do you do you, you sometimes it. have to get that Italian flavor back? Like <laughs> you have cancer. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Cheers I mean, and I. I've never done that, but maybe. I mean, I wouldn't mind if someone did that to me. <laughs> you know. yeah. Sometimes maybe go. Sometimes maybe shit. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I wouldn't like a sort of Borat diagnosis. You got the cancer. <laughs> Die soon, live forever exactly. in heaven. Yeah, no. I don't know where that came from. I'm actually undiagnosed, self-diagnosed ADHD. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you watch my, my Talk and Espresso show yesterday morning? We talked oh, about no. ADHD. I watched you cooking. Oh, you missed the best part. We're talking about ADHD. ADHD to me is a really interesting topic. Um, and I'm so glad you brought up the topic because I think it's... I think it's off topic in terms of what this podcast goes about, but anyway, run with it. <laughs> there are no um, topics. <laughs> ADHD is one of the, the pediatric diseases that I'm the most the most interested by. Mm. Um, I'm not that I've I don't have anyone in my family that I've had direct exposure to, but my best friend was definitely like undiagnosed ADHD, and I saw the trauma that it that it created. And and we there's a cool because today is World ADHD Day. If you really? didn't know that. Absolutely. That's wow. why we had the espresso show yesterday. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're trying to promote awareness in adults and parents and teachers about the recognition of symptoms. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people are really not educated about what symptoms are. They think they know, but they don't know how to kind of distill that into, a, into you know, like a real diagnosis. Yeah. What's the main one you're looking for? So there are core symptoms, you know, um, and people often don't know that AD. HD are two things, you know, attention deficit and then hyperactivity, impulsivity. And then most people have it combined, but you can have one or the other. Um, I attention, didn't know that. Yeah, so, so there's ADD is yes. the colloquial term that people use for only the inattention. Yes. Um, and then hyperactivity disorder is actually hyperactivity and impulsivity. Those are the kids that generally, or actually adults, have more long lasting hyper, like yes. impulsivity. People that often just make decisions very irrationally. Mm. Um, I think that irrationality is what defines undiagnosed hyperactivity in adults. And then inattention is just that classic kid that can't concentrate. Mm. Yeah, um, staring out the window wow. in class, can't maintain like yeah. 20 minutes of focus. Yeah. That's fascinating. So if you've cheated on your girlfriend, you're not a bad person. You might just have ADHD. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's a doctor. He is. <laughs> He did the research for us. Okay, no, that is fascinating. Chloe, yeah. what's your diagnosis of me? Yes or no? 
No, I can't okay. diagnose you. That's All I know is that whenever we go to a restaurant, we have to, I have to situate Sam so that he can only see a wall because otherwise he will not, he cannot concentrate on what I'm not saying. not in a bad way. He's just, he can like hear conversations that are going on and he's like, okay. these people are talking about this, these people are talking about this and it's just... This is why we've actually got you on the podcast for free (laughs) ADHD consultation. consultation, I'm going to get a bull tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Back where all my other bulls go. No, that's. Um, We also we just wanted to uh, ask an important question, um, and that is: Does an apple a day keep the doctor away? The big questions are kids. No. You, you heard it here first. (laughs) Where did that come from? Do you ever, as doctors, get around and discuss these sort of weird? anecdotes and these bizarre sort of sayings that exist i mean in cape town if you think about it i mean a green juice a day makes you a cape townian by proxy um and probably broke <laughs> but, but but the irony is that probably broke probably broke but most of those people are frequent visitors to the doctor um so maybe that kind of answers your question i don't know where that term comes from like a lot of the things that exist in medicine like the weird sayings have very deep installed historical backgrounds mm. like you know I, I don't have a good example now <laughs> but, uh, a lot of the same <laughs> they all come from like a lot of anecdotal like weird historical yeah. moments that something weird happened and then they relay that mm. on i'd have no idea maybe it's adam and eve maybe that's why you ate the apple Ooh, Ooh. getting getting biblical here <laughs> getting, getting oh that's interesting but it's it, it's also it leads to another fun question ivermectin Mm. Yes or no? No. Okay. I have no. no more. That's all I'm going to say is just no. Okay. There you have it. There's I've, no science. There is. Okay. That's interesting. Really? I, yeah. Well, no, there is science on the WhatsApp group yes. chat. <laughs> <laughs> you the mom in Constantia may know something more. Yeah. That's literally where I got given it. I was like, I was recovering from COVID and I had long COVID. So I had one of my friend's parents and he's like a strong believer in ivermectin. He's like, mm. Chloe, you got to take this. I promise you there's a lot of research. And all of a sudden I started thinking like, maybe there is, maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, no. it, it's just fascinating how we don't have any other opinions about medicine, but then COVID came along and because mm. it was so prevalent in everyone's life, then now everyone has these sort of medical opinions. Like, I have Panado. I don't know what the fuck's in Panado. Absolutely. I've never questioned what's in Panado. If you actually went through it and broke it down, you'd, mm. you'd probably get me with a tin hat on after a week being like, Panado's killing us. I mean, if you read the insert on a Panado box, you'll never look at a Panado again. Really? Yeah. I mean, like they have to, they have to stipulate every possible side effect. Okay. Yeah. And that was the funny thing about the vaccine, you know, like that you, exactly what you're saying it came from this vaccination movement because people don't like to be forced to do anything um, <laughs> you know even if there's science to back it um, and they look for then alternative things that they want to back with their own like it's such a weird mm. thing in medicine um, but it has made it has made practicing medicine and consultations very different people come with their diagnosis and their treatment plan uh, <laughs> my mom and, and, then you go, you go, <laughs> and then you're like okay let's like unpack what you yeah. what, what what this means for you so um and more and more like honestly in the last year now that people are coming back to like clinics and stuff it's been so interesting um and still like people's opinion on COVID is just fascinating mm-hmm. <laughs> day's conversation on its own it was like how guarded people are about whether they're vaccinated or not. Oh, I was yeah. like, are you vaccinated? I have rights. I don't so have to. Are you literally wearing 
I've got a shirt on. Relax on that. <laughs> Relax on that. <laughs> he doesn't even talk that. Yeah. Really People know. are pretty conservative about whether they vaccinated or not. <laughs> yeah. No. It was. It was a. It was a. I mean, big you could also wear a t-shirt saying like, "Congrats, I don't have measles," or like, you know, "I didn't die of polio," and people would be. It's so interesting. You know, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. it, someone had to take the polio vaccine, mm-hmm. and then like. No, but all those people that are anti-vaxxers have all obviously been vaccinated. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Mm. Um, people go like, Daniel Carter's my hero. He's cool. You kind of look a bit like him. Thank you. But my real hero are the first people that took the COVID vaccine. Because at the heights of it, when people were dying in Italy, <laughs> and things were going, they were terrifying. They were like, these brave people stepped up. And I think those are proper heroes, like doctors and podcasters, all in the the same same mold. Oh, my word. What what would you say the the worst thing about being a doctor is? Because I think it's also one of those sort of glorified jobs where everyone, oh, it's so cool to be a doctor. What do you not like about it? I think my... (laughs) The most distinguished memory I have when people ask me, like, what sucks about your job? Hmm. Um... It was like 2 a.m. in Maritzburg <laughs> in the depths. Um, and they called me for a psychiatric patient that had pulled out his catheter. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want to paint this paint I think the scenario. So, uh, so you're an intern. You're like, cool, I'm going to have a, like a 20-minute nap now. Surely yeah. nothing's going to come. <laughs> and then your phone rings. Maybe the worst thing about being a doctor is your phone because honestly it rings all the time. But, but they phoned me and there was, so I came to the ward and there was a man who had an acute psychosis, like a substance-induced psychosis. So schizophrenic, he was delusional. And he had a catheter in because he was bed-bound for a while and like we had to do urine, we had to do urine monitoring and input-output monitoring. And like, this guy had cut off, because a catheter has a bulb and you can only pull it out by deflating the bulb. So he couldn't get it out. So he had cut off the catheter and he was swinging around <laughs> the un... un um, he unhinged part of his catheter and he was just spraying urine everywhere. The catheter cowboy. Okay. <laughs> you could, like, <laughs> it was, if you think about like a helicopter moment with a whip and urine like spreading through the wards. Um, oh. and, and unfortunately in Maritzburg, the psychiatric Was he on the run? Was he, he was moving. <laughs> he was mobile. <laughs> he was swinging his catheter. It's for you. And then we had to pin this guy down and put a line up and sedate him. Um, so I think that there's there's such a weird thing that people often think that doctors need to sometimes you're humbled to the ground um, by like patients because you are the person that is responsible for this person mm. no matter what it takes and I mean I've been crouching in urine trying to collect stuff from people and like inserting neonatal drips at like two o'clock in the morning you know like there are, there's a moment in that period where this baby's been crying for like five hours and mm. you know that if I don't get this line up the baby's not going to make it. Um, so there are moments of absolute exhaustion and procedural things mm. where you feel a little bit like, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, that That's probably the, the cooler answer. But to be completely honest, I mean, being a doctor is 60%, 70% administrative work. Mm. We spend so much time. Obviously, you can think like, you know, medicine has, to, there has to be a system in place. Um and like you don't, I think a lot of people out there who are interested in doing medicine need to just not be, just just don't be ignorant that you, you are going to write a lot of things down on, on a piece of paper um, and file a lot of things and, you know, phone people the entire day about medical aids and stuff. So that's probably the worst part of my job. But I, it, it is. How would you rate your handwriting? It's extremely good. 
Really? Every middle Breaking age. stereotypes. What the fuck's up with doctors? It's like, <laughs> I need this medicine to survive. Scribble, scribble. <laughs> and then the Can pharmacist have, looks at it and they're like, oh, here you go. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. Can I have some scribble, scribble, please? I, I need like it. I feel like there's like a whole different category of writing that's only legible to doctors and pharmacists. You, you are right. And I mm-hmm. mean, I've obviously seen that everywhere, but I, I've taken absolute pride in writing oh, We should have had some paper here. I would have shown you. you. <laughs> Every middle-aged I'm not surprised you're an aesthetically pleasing human. I, I, I'm not like blown away. We haven't got into your early life because we like to kind of, you know, this, this is us sharing South African stories, people we find inspiring or meet at plant milk days that just <laughs> catch our eye. And it's always nice to see where people come from because I think that obviously plays a massive role. So where did you grow up? So my, my heritage is Italian, like you know, but I was born in South Africa. Um, I spent a good like three hours in Pretoria after my birth. <laughs> and then <laughs> my parents decided to ship me off to the to the Highlands. Um, so I actually grew up in Lesotho. Uh, I in thought you were going to say Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing a kilt. I love it. That's my only understanding of the Highlands. So I don't know where that comes from. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So my father was a civil engineer working on the on the Mohale Dam. Um, okay. which is in the heart of Lesotho. There's Katsi Dam and Mohale Dam. So it's just, I mean, it's, there's nothing there. Um, there's a ski slope that a lot of people know about, but we were about an hour south of that. Um, yeah, so they built a village for us. They built, they constructed like polystyrene houses. That sounds bad, but they were very nice. Um, for, <coughs> oh boy. <laughs> it was Lesotho. <laughs> but, they're like, no, number one polystyrene house in the whole of Lesotho. Promise you guys it's going to be great. They go home. They're living in polystyrene. <laughs> they're currently inhibited by the, sh- the shepherds that lived nearby the village. They okay. Okay. use the lower levels for their horses and they live upstairs. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely not, not kidding. Um, anyway, so we lived there. There were about 25 engineers working on the project and we lived in Lesotho. Um, and all of the, the families, we, we, we were kind of like a community of kids at the same age, relatively. Um, my mom homeschooled us and taught about seven grades in one classroom. Wow. <laughs> is, she, is she actually a, a, She's teacher. a teacher? Okay, She's yeah. a primary school teacher. Wait, so we had like, How many siblings do you have? No, no, no. The commune, Chloe. Siblings. The communist commune of oh, several okay. engineers. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Are you listening to what he's saying? I mean, my mom was just shepherding her herd of children. Yeah. <laughs> that was the picture that was being painted. We, we lost one to the collapsing polystyrene oh, wall. It's okay. <laughs> One's not a loss. <laughs> we move on. Uh, so it was actually, it was such a cool upbringing, honestly, to be removed from like every racial criminal thing that exists in society. I mean, I was, I was seven years old and I had an earring. It's not this one, this is a different one. Um, and a motorbike, like a pink little Yamaha. Uh, my hair was down till here. And like, we were free. As a seven-year-old kid, I could go on my scrambler, call it a scrambler, um, and I could ride around the streets of Lesotho. And like, we, we, were, we were a tight-knit little, uh, I don't know. That sounds like a fantastic, yeah, just completely, yeah. Yeah. Um, not divorced, that's too weird a word. Just completely <laughs> sheltered from Absolutely. the, the yeah. sort of modern world. It's like something you only hear about when old people speak about their childhood, <laughs> like walking places. <laughs> now I like, I'm I like, okay, sun setting in five hours, <laughs> not going to make it. <laughs> Check is <at> 60. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even then you have to scope them out when you arrive. You're like, exactly. So, okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And then after Lesotho? So... Pretty much my entire primary school life was in Lesotho, and then thereafter, a short stint in Pretoria again. My parents were 
fans of just spending a very short amount of time in Pretoria. Um, I just did one year there and then I moved to, to Franschhoek, okay. which was my high school. Where did you go to school in Pretoria? In Glen Stansha. I don't know if you know that school. <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke about Constantia. No, or it's a real place. It's a real place. <laughs> it's, okay. it's much like Constantia. Yeah. Uh, the problem <laughs> with different. yeah, the problem with the growing up in Cape Town is you know nothing about the rest of South Africa. So yes. people are like, yeah. "Hill bro, you like sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You should that's come." Great place. <laughs> yeah, no, that oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So, Franchuk thereafter, which was very nice. I was privileged to grow up in Franchuk. Um, I, I do like wine. <laughs> and I went to Bridge House. Um, very luckily, I got a scholarship to go there, you know. Mm, that is oh, a, it's a beautiful it. school. And it's very, very uh, nice. And then were you in Stellenbosch? I was for... in Stellenbosch University. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Stellenbosch Medical School. Uh, but basically, you like to just think that you're a Stellenbosch uh, student, but you actually live on Tigerberg campus. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so not much partying then. Or you know, partying within the borders, within the boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows about it. But You've heard of doctors without borders. <laughs> now, <laughs> Mikhail. Some, like ethanol <laughs> with arrows. I mean, yeah. I've had a few nights where I woke up with a drip. Yeah. Mm. Self, <laughs> self-medicated. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, really yeah. used to do that. And that's what. Obviously, I've just finished my sort of undergrad now and postgrad studies, that sort of stuff. But. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, all the people you think are supposed to be like these sort of pillars of, you know, like good behavior. You like seeing these people at university like, oh, my God, (laughs) the heaviest drinkers, the biggest partiers. I suppose you have to offset the stress. You're also studying to be a doctor at the age of like, like 19 to like what, like 20, early 20s. So, you know, these are like young kids who have a lot of responsibility especially when you guys are doing like your practical work like I've heard from some of my friends who are studying medicine they're like no yeah or like we had to assist in a delivery or Mm. um you have to work in like the trauma center and that's a lot for a young Mm. 20 year old to be responsible for absolutely I mean I think that's why maybe maybe not just like I don't want to say drinking culture because it's not always the case but like Mm -hmm. People in their social environments, doctors kind of like really try to separate the two, mm. but also kind of use social interaction as like an escape. That, that sounds really bad, but it's not really such a bad thing. You know, I think that if you've been in casualty for a day, you would understand the psychological and emotional drainage that comes from it. And I, I didn't realize that until the end of my studies or kind of like the end of my internship. Like, now that I've kind of, even during my treatment and like being a little bit more doing like media stuff and like seeing that money exists outside of medicine, mm. you you realize that you're so burdened. Like literally walking through a medical ward, all I do for 10 hours is think about disease, which yeah. is a psychological weird cycle in your brain because like mm. all I've been thinking about, because you have to think about it because you need to like understand it and treat mm. it, but you don't see the treatment. Like it's like... I see the disease and you treat and then like when they're better, they disappear. Yes. Um, How does your brain work? Because I've always found that interesting and so the abstraction of disease and there've been very interesting ways people have treated cancer from a psychological standpoint. So when you go into a ward mm. and someone say, I don't know, as no, oh, fuck Samuel. Think of a, <laughs> think of a disease, damn. Say someone has like TB. Yes. Do, do you visualize that and do you see it as like these sort of molecules or you know they're very sciencey or is it do you personify it because i'm an insane person so i can like see this evil creature not the person obviously the disease <laughs> <laughs> such an interesting question because i don't think you, adhd I, 
Yes, sir. <laughs> I like that question though because I think it's I think it's an important thing. I I think you always relay judgment on people. Mm. Like mm. we don't like to admit that, but like every single person that walks into your room or in a ward, like you you have an emotional judgment on that person immediately. Mm. Obviously, you don't know exactly what their disease is. You first know their personality. Like mm. You first get to know the person, unless it's an acute like recess, but that's seldom. My arm's missing. <laughs> yeah, that's different. <laughs> then you're like, that's the yeah. problem. I wonder um, what he's like outside of school. <laughs> but that's interesting because I've only once in my life a person added me on Facebook, a patient. A patient. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I've never engaged with that at all. And like, the one time I did it, I will never, ever, ever do it again because it was the most heartache I've ever had. Like, you don't realize that this is a person. Mm. You kind of, you, you take their family history and their social stresses and everything into account, but you like medicalize it. Mm. You're like, mm. this is a smoker with, you know, like this amount of trauma or like this person has had two miscarriages before. You don't think about the trauma. You think about the like medical implication of yes. their yeah. social life. Then you see a picture on Facebook of like them with like their grandchildren. Mm, and it becomes um, that much bigger. And you're like you know, like, this is insane. I am, this person is coming to me with, you know, whatever. Some of them are pretty pre-terminal. Um, and you, I don't know. So that was well, I suppose step. it's the only way you can actually get out of bed and do your job. Because if you mm. got emotionally yeah. attached to everyone, it would be impossible. Yeah, you and, honestly and I think that's why, you know, you, it is like being on the front lines. You're looking and someone comes into an ER, mm. what's wrong? You're not like, oh, I wonder if this person's a good person or what they've no, done. You know, it's yeah. like, it's Absolutely just, not. no, oh God, this is making me terrified. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. So glad I chose not to do medicine. This is true, you know, like when the gangster comes in with a knife in his chest and like, my best friend stabbed me or like I was fighting this dude off my girlfriend. Like they, you know, you can't relay judgment on that person and not treat them. Yes. Um, so you just remove yourself. But I mean, the absurdity and that like the 27 guys that, you know, the gang, mm. they would often be in casualty with like really, gunshots yeah. and you like, you kind of like suture a little bit too hard. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but you're still, you're still treating it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, like, With some moral stitching. Come on, guys. They, they do, do better. Yeah, so people do that. They don't, they don't put any anesthetic in because they're just like, you know. <laughs> That's you crazy. Gotta, you gotta, What's your go-to headache tablet? Because I always like, I'm interested in what doctors are doing. It depends what kind of headache it is. Damn it. Fuck, he's got me there. You gotta have a... Well, yeah, if it's like a very hectic migraine. Do you say migraine or migraine? I say migraine. You know, the yeah. prefrontal cortex headache, that one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you heard of that before? I'm, I'm so impressed. No, this is the medication. The general, um, a general sort of headache. So, uh, people are often averse to tramadol. Um, it's a great headache treatment we often move away from like non-steroidals because they have so many implications like brufen is a good example mm. of a non-steroidal um siloxicab or those things they have so many side effects that it's not worth it and it depends on the frequency of your headache um if you're having like a migraine there are specific migraine oriented tablets okay that that channel the pathway they're like gaba receptor antagonists that's so those medications they actually it's very really interesting because migraine is becoming a huge thing in medicine um, there's specific analgesia that's only for migraines. Mm -hmm. And then, very interesting, you can also use antidepressants. Um, wow. Because they have the side effect profile of an antidepressant is analgesia. Hmm. Um, wow. They often work for people. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't get headaches. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess what the listeners and viewers would really want to know is what's the sort of best hangover cure? <laughs> so the best cure, um, if you have drink. medical things. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> That's ridiculous, Chloe. <laughs> Um, from, if you have medical friends, so uh, I think we alluded to this earlier. Um, so alcohol gets metabolized in your body, uh, in your liver. Um, and then a byproduct is that thymine gets confused, like gets consumed. Um, so thymine is, is like a cornerstone of preventing the feeling of a hangover. Um, so we used to put up drips post party in the lounge <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this baby. I really <laughs> I'm past that now <laughs> um, and you just infuse like a liter of saline or ringer's lactate which is like a bag of fluid with some electrolytes and some sodium and potassium um, and you put a little bit of thiamine in there and honestly maybe it was a placebo maybe it was sleeping with the drip maybe it was the fear of sepsis I don't know <laughs> like you wake up feeling pretty good um, so that's probably the best you know prophylaxis um, and then hangover, I, I know people don't want to hear this, but sweat it out. That's what I do. Yes. You feel like it's the, wor- the last thing in the world you want to do. Hydrate, do some exercise, sweat. And, and that sounds like a layman's thing to say, but when you sweat, you're detoxifying through your sweat glands as well as your urine. So it like, speeds up the process. Okay. Mm, so yeah, if you don't have access to drips and thiamine, <laughs> get to the gym, you're lazy. Or hit up the sauna. Yes. Or hit up the sauna. I actually, and you died in the it, sauna. It would be interesting to actually know from a doctor what is like the safe amount of time to spend in a sauna. Or rather, can I, can I reshape that? Because I've been telling Chloe that I've got health benefits. So going for a 15-minute sauna and then having a cold shower, um, have I been brainwashed by Joe Rogan or am I the next sort of breed of superhuman? I'd love to know. First answer, there is no dangerous amount of time um, unless you start. So we always say like when you start feeling uncomfortably, like tired in the, in the sauna, that's yeah. obviously people would just inherently get out. Like, you know, you get to that point where like, I really need to get out now. Mm. That's the, that's the okay. perfect amount of time. Get out. Because <laughs> yeah. people are so different, you know, it depends on how much water you've drank and mm. how yeah. porous you are. So yeah. that's very different. Your answer, very interestingly, the science is showing that extremes of temperature have actually proven benefit in longevity. <laughs> I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see the Capetonians in the cold water, yes. like it's Sunrise the same swimming. concept. Yeah, yeah. Swimming so, in sewerage, it's good for you. <laughs> I, literally, I mean, you're going to live long, you're going to get a UTI. But like, <laughs> or hand, foot and mouth. <laughs> yeah. I, I got hand, foot and mouth, like I think like two months ago. I it went for disgusting. a swim in Camps Bay. You got it from Camps Bay. Well, that was my deduction because I knew another guy who'd also gotten it a couple weeks before. And it was like a four-day period afterwards. Yeah, and I broke happened. out in. Ugh. We called it clopox. It was fun. Camps <laughs> <laughs> Bay clopox. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of viral diseases, when did you explode on the internet? Because you've got this massive profile grabbed by the balls. You know, all the things will be there. But when did that sort of happen? Did it happen naturally? Did it happen after you sort of shared the story? We're going to get into shortly. How, where did you see that massive rise? Because you've got a you've got a massive online following i think like this is a good introduction to probably what we're going to talk about next um but honestly media and people online i think are really receptive to vulnerability Mm. um so when i was getting treatment for for cancer i started a small blog website and and purely this was for me like i needed i had time which i had never had Mm. before and i needed to use that time so i actually wrote while i was getting chemo I spent about five hours a day, Monday to Friday, in the chemo room. 
Um, and that kind of ties you down to doing something on your computer, yeah, in essence. Um, so I wrote about my experience. And, and I, what I did was I didn't medicalize it because I wanted to be removed from the, the doctoring part of my treatment. I told mm. my oncologist, I trust you. You're much more qualified than me. I know what this disease is. I know what the treatment plan is, but I want you to just do whatever you need to do to make me better. And I, I removed myself from medicine and then I just wrote about the personal feelings that I had. And people were so receptive to that because I think knowing a little bit more about the disease made my perception of it really interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, I'm a self-professed poet, so I love writing. Did I say that? <laughs> it was in the introduction. I can't remember anything I said. <laughs> it's an important part of the introduction. Um, so yeah, I think it was the vulnerability that really resonated with people. Um, and then like... You know the, the shameless selfies. Okay. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine it hurts too much that you're um, a male model, <laughs> like because the, and that's that is I feel what social media is like yeah. relating with someone, but also it being aspirational. So like, oh my word, he's a cancer survivor. So so hot. <laughs> like hundred percent. Um, it's it's part and parcel, and like I just. I don't, I'm not a professional in any sense at creating media. I just make, I just kind of, I just kind of document my day and people love user generated content. Like mm, that's they the do. future. They love they to do. see that this is not curated and not edited. Mm. This is just like, there's me in a mirror with a pair of scrubs on. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I think, I think it's, <laughs> you are quite literally, what was that character called? You, oh, McDreamy. You, McDreamy, yeah. you know, but in real life, which is, you know, do, do what you want with it. But you've obviously, we've touched on it now. Um, were diagnosed with cancer. Yes. Early 2020? 2020. So this is yeah. during lockdown? Well, literally like three months before lockdown. What? Oh, okay. Well, what? before hard lockdown, COVID was a thing, but like before the actual lockdown, I can't remember the time frame, but it was during COVID times. Okay. Mm. So you obviously, you know, self-diagnosed or kind of knew something was wrong. What is the feeling when you are actually, you've gone for that consultation and the doctor confirms that you've got testicular cancer, what's running through your mind? My answer is weird and I always answer the same way. It was like, how am I gonna tell my mom? Weird, weird, weird psychology. Um, it's interesting you go into like this mode where you're like, I'm, I'm okay, like I will deal with this, it's gonna suck. Mm -hmm. But but to me, the, the, the hardest part of everything was, was what it was gonna do to my parents. I'm extremely privileged to have a family that are like, you know my mom and dad their kids mm. are everything to them mm. um and i sat outside and I, I like the diagnosis was confirmed and i'd already been booked into theater the next day it's a very quick diagnosis um and i like i was in maritzburg and i had to phone my mom and be like listen i because you know talking about going to a urologist i was just like kind of like mom go to the doctor like something I'm a little bit worried about mm. she's gonna check it out and she's like yeah of course like whatever just let me know what it is and like then i had to phone my mom and be like i've got cancer like imagine as a mother of a 26 year old guy, yeah. like how do you deal with that? She, I mean, she got on an airplane like an hour later and she was in yeah. that night. Yeah. So sure. that to me was the first thing that popped into my brain. Like, mm. Absolutely the first thing. Um, and I, I didn't know when I felt the lump. So testicular cancer, young guys, if you have a lump, you got to check it out. That is kind of the crux of everything we're going to talk about today. Just screening and, and early detection. Like, you don't just have big balls. No. <laughs> if there's a massive lump on your ball. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got some big old balls. <laughs> um, You're not just packing heat. Calm down, young yeah, boy. Yeah, that's the irony. You know, masculinity is defined as big balls, but big balls are bad. Um, so, 
Is a t-shirt there? <laughs> no, sorry, a vest. Yes, a vest. A vest. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I'd kind of prepared myself driving to the urologist. Not mm. really. You're never really prepared. Um, and when I got the phone call, I, I can't. Ex- I don't know. I just thought about what my mom was going to think, and, mm. and like, and then I dealt with it. And there, and what's really interesting about me is that I didn't have one second in my life where I was like, "This sucks. Why did it happen to me?" I was like, "This happened to me. What can we do to turn this into success?" and going forward like making the most of it yes um not to just randomly bring or inject just von der Vestes and into the conversation which i just <laughs> had um when he was dealing what did he have motor neuron disease, neuron disease yeah. when i read one of his when he was also writing about it i think it's a very sort of cathartic process to write yes. about what you're going through yes. um he had those initial feelings of why me and then very quickly why not me you know why should this just happen to other random people but i'm yeah. and i think you've you've spoken about that in other shows you've yes. been on and stuff that that invincibility or or the false perception of being an invincible young person especially like a ma- not saying you're a macho guy you're more a macho guy hey <laughs> <laughs> drinks <laughs> or something another <laughs> <laughs> t-shirt uh, but you know it's it's a very weird position to be in and i think that's amazing that you never had it sort of focused on i, I would certainly at least spend the first year of feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. I, I think also um, I was reading on your blog actually that you were saying your perception sort of changed. Like you, you didn't take your health for granted anymore. You, it's all that sort of stuff that you thought was important and now you're like, I might die. I mean... Did you ever, did you ever, did that ever cross your mind like I might die? Absolutely. Um, obviously not in the immediate phase but mm. I think you're like, I might enter the dying process earlier. So we all are from the second we're born, we're dying, you know, that's how life works. But like when you start to think about it, because I don't think anyone until they're like mid sixties, if they make it there, are like, you know, I'm dying. Mm -hmm. And I had that, that vulnerability of how human beings are. And I think what you said there is like, why not me was the biggest thing to me. Um, And my best friend who like, we've been best friends forever. Her response to this was like, nobody deserves anything i was like i i don't feel like i deserve or i don't deserve this but like you know you got to make the most of what the world deals with to Mm. you and as a young person your health is such a privilege um and if you are healthy it doesn't mean that you deserve to get sick or if you're like you know what i mean like no one deserves anything that happens in their lives it's how we respond to the adversity or the privilege yeah Mm. i'm all for it if you grew up in constantia and you went to a a good school and you've made a success of your life and you haven't been through adversity just own it don't relay like what this means for your life onto anybody else own Mm. your own journey and you will always be happy because the, the biggest misfortune and the biggest unhappiness in the world i think comes from trying to understand why something happens in your life versus anybody else's life it's such an interesting introspection and it's so cliche everyone's like you know live in the moment be present enjoy your life distill what's happening to you and you it's so difficult to do it until like you get something like this Mm. Um, and now i now that's what i do you know i'm here i'm making the most of it and i get dms where people are like yeah you went through cancer now you're just posting selfies and i'm like i deserve that you know, I do, do, do people seriously, honestly, lots of people, shame like, I thought this was supposed to be about awareness and like medical in medical. Uh, and I'm like, dude, I'm just living. I'm showing you that like, just being me. this yeah. is what I do. This is how I show you that like, I am me and a cancer diagnosis is this. 
it sucked. There are days when I'm like, I'm really terrified that this thing comes back. Mm. Like really scared. I have a predisposition to something now. But I'm not going to not live my life. Like I'm not going to not do the most I can do with this day because mm. of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I deserve that. It's weird that these like boxes that people mm-hmm. will put you into it's like no you should be a cancer survivor and a doctor yeah you should just you be selling be trapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just go sell bandanas but it's it, I, I find it just fascinating also in terms of you you never know you know what people are going through and especially we've spoken about that sort of medical components when you are like you're treating people based on what their trauma is and not who the the person is and now you've had this sort of unique perspective very young in your career Mm. to be on the other side of the table being nervous going to because you know your office is your home as a doctor for patients and normal people when we go into the doctor it's usually the scariest part of the year whatever Mm. you're going in for so to have that perspective and that's it's fairly unique given how young you are that's awesome I always feel like I'm an old man lecturing people. <laughs> you, hey, well, young chap who's awesome. just a year older than me, you know, you really reflect on things. <laughs> you know, I think you couldn't have said it better. Like, mm, that's exactly that's what it is. You know, you have the, the insight to mm. understand how that feels. And we are, we, I mean, I forget every day still how it feels to go to the doctor. Because you're like, I'm just this random dude who thirst traps people and now they are so <laughs> terrified to like... And it's obviously because of what the nature of the consultation is. But I always say to people, like, just chat to me. Like, I, you know, you have the space of absolute confidentiality. No, you're going to get crazy people coming into your practice. <laughs> hey, doctor, my neck is a bit sore. <laughs> a little time on the shoulders. Yeah, that'll be 10,000 rand for this massage. Maybe that's quite literally like thirst trapping people yeah. as a doctor. Come to my practice. That's, that's something know, Come to the practice, Waterfront Medical. <laughs> there it is. And how, how have you found that, you know, opening? Because again, I think people think, oh, he's in medicine. He must just awfully be, be awfully successful. You know, you, you you're actually going into a sort of business now with a mm. private practice. How have you found that journey? Uh, challenging. Mm. You know, you go into med school, you learn about pneumonia and like what muscle this is and like, but like no one ever tells you. It's a nice muscle. I've <laughs> 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 worked so hard in Spain. <laughs> the, it's got the N1 over there. <laughs> you have more got like a suburb. <laughs> All right, pushing on. Yeah, so like, no one teaches you about finance. Mm. Honestly, we are the most financially illiterate people on the universe. Like six years, you should be like financially savvy by that point, you know, paying the bills and like, you're still here in med school, putting up drips to resuscitate your hangover. And then the next year, like some money comes into your account. You're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. then you go and spend it on like an air fryer or something. But you know, like... <laughs> Did you have the Philips XL or XXL? XXL. I knew it, Chloe. Yeah. He's better than us it's in so every regard. <laughs> you I need a little bit of space. <laughs> it's so important. Now I can only do tiny chicken. <laughs> exactly. Cooking for one, we have to break up. <laughs> I mean, fuck off. <laughs> you get the fuck out of here. Call it. If we had a producer, what's that? Call I the show. Air fryer, I'm just saying. <laughs> size does matter when it comes to air fryers. <laughs> but not the size of your balls. Give them a fondle. If there's a lump, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> what, what were we talking about? Fuck, I don't know. I, uh, I hate you. Finance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the business. The business. The business. The business of making the money. <laughs> yeah, and you, you come to a point like now, it's a really interesting part of a medical journey. You do internship, comm serve, like absolute job security. 
like sometimes it sucks your job sucks but you know at the end of the month i'm getting a salary mm. you know what that salary is and you know you have a job then comes one day and the next day you get your little certificate saying i'm an independent practitioner and the world owes you nothing like mm. it's the most paradoxical weird happy very stressful moment of your life because you're like i can take this piece of paper and i've worked literally nine years to get this tiny little piece of paper and i can do with it whatever i want you know i can open a practice i can go work in a hospital i can work in the oncology ward mm. but also if i decide to just sit at home and do nothing can do that's that? completely fine or just um, thirst trap or just thirst trap <laughs> you know like and you know so there's this weird feeling where you've never had it before and you haven't really learned what it means to be financially savvy obviously mm. you understand a little bit about money but yeah so that's where we're at I think it's also that, and it's all young people I find struggle with this, and it's because we live in good times. I mean, you know, post COVID, that sort of stuff. I think just in terms of where we are as young people, again, you know, some people have it a lot worse off than others. But when you have an abundance of choice, it yes. can be very crippling. So even you, you get nine years, you've known exactly what you're going to do, where you're going to go, what the sort of work is going to be like, and now you can almost do anything. And I think that is stressful. It's like, a, yeah. It's like when you're a good like stress. at Pauline's at 10 o'clock in the morning and there's full of young people and you're like, what? Why? Who are these people? Yeah. And then you're like, I'm one of them. And oh, then you're yes. like, oh, crap. I'm also one. Like, right <laughs> in this moment. I'm also one. <laughs> I'm also here. Why aren't you guys at work? Yeah. Is Lance Armstrong your hero? No. No. Okay. I, did, I, do have a more, I do have a more deeper resonation with the man. Um, knowing what he went through. I do think he did some things in his life that predisposed him to his disease um a lot of what he was taking are pre like so with testicular cancer it's just like overgrowth of a certain lineage of cell um and i think i mean obviously not everything is confirmed but like growth hormone mm. supplementation That's and stuff actually very interesting. Interesting. yeah so there's a lot of studies in people that are using growth hormone for like bodybuilding or you know just body compositioning or sport performance um there's a lot of data that shows in the long run how bad mm. it is in terms of oncology and like carcinogenic yes. potential. Yeah. So he was, I, I'm not saying he did, I don't know. Um, but I think he dealt with it and he's a pretty successful dude as well in terms of, you know, he went through treatment, which does this huge tax on your body. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and he didn't really publicize it that much. You know, he wasn't really, it wasn't really a defining thing for him. But yeah, he's a whole topic on its own. Yeah, no, that's true. I w it was it started as a gaggy question because you know testicular cancer, um, but and then no nice response. We also like to play a little game here where we read out a quote, and if you can get who said the quote, you then get a prize. So, the quote here begins: "Hard work, sacrifice, and focus will never show up in tests." Who said that? Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, another athlete. I was trying to tee you up. I tried to help you, but it, it is, of course, Chloe. I also don't know. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so close, but we'll, we're, we're, you, know, you know what? Um, you beat cancer, and as our token of our appreciation. <laughs> oh, oh, hope. What's oh, in the bag? Yes. Yeah. We'd, we don't know what, much, what, what sort of barista yeah. you are, what level you are, but we thought this is... Thank you. You know me so well. Ah. 
you know, We've done our research so well. It's, it's the perfect gift for me. I'm a trained barista as well. Oh, really? Fuck off. No ways. Really. Oh, get Chloe, out of here. So you know that shit Jacobs you get in the morning? You could be getting latte art. What kind of coffee machine do you have? Is it Breville? So at the moment, I don't have a coffee machine. I'm still working on buying the perfect one. It's very expensive. Mm. Um, so I just do like grinding. And to be honest, I feel like the French press in the hierarchy of coffee, French press, mocha pot, AeroPress, instant coffee, which is not bad. No, the Jacobs was a joke. Okay. And then, and then McDonald's instant. coffee <laughs> no, is like right that. at the bottom. I have been desperate enough to get McDonald's coffee one time. My dad looks at me like... Yeah, that's, that's a dark place in your life. Yeah. But I get it. Sometimes you really need that cup of coffee. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I, I really appreciate yeah. this. What is your favorite cancer slogan? Because let me, let me just make it. Give, give that back. Don't give that. You just make it too much noise. <laughs> I just want to find What do you mean? Fun. What's your favorite cancer slogan? What's your slogan? favorite cancer slogan? You know, like, fuck cancer. Oh, okay. Kick cancer. There's so many good ones. What, what, did you ever have a sort of something to hold on to or something that you've taken that you enjoy? Cancer or testicular cancer? Either one. Either one. Um, well, obviously, my slogan is, you know, you've got to grab your balls. That's where it all came from. So grab your balls. Don't grab them, but like fondle them gently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it kind of resonates. You know, it's, it's such a good name. It is. Um, because it's, it's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm, just, I'm grabbing my life mm. by what, it's, what the world has thrown me and I'm just taking it and I'm rolling with it. Mm. And I'm really trying to make the most of, of everything that's happening in my life. Um, but there's so many... You know, cliche cancer slogans mm. out there. I knew, nothing really stuck to be a fact. Uh, I love the fuck cancer. My level of anger. cancer, maybe don't let cancer kick you in the dick. Oh, Chloe. I don't know. That's a good one. Maybe yeah. the Cancer Association with a C, with an S rather, looking for new marketing <laughs> departments. <laughs> Can buy I mean, me here? I'm part of that association, so I'll run a Bible. Okay. <laughs> cancer Association is a great association. I don't know if that's... But they're, they're doing amazing things in men's health awareness. Really? The yeah. shift from... Because like, there's so much stuff about female health. Um, mm. And what part of... I'm part of Daredevil Run. That's like the, where the people with purple, purple speedos. speedos. So that's happening on the... On the t- 30th of September. Chloe, um, you can't go. I will be, in, I will be there in my studio. Chloe, you can't go. Um, I'll running. be there. <laughs> in the Borat costume. How long costume. is this run? Hey? How long is the run? There's a 5K and a 10K. Oh, awesome. Are you doing That'd the 10K? I'm doing the of course you fucking are. Why can't you just do the 5K? You could have just done the 5K. My God. At a base of 350. <laughs> I think you're like every um, straight male's nightmare and every gay male's envy. <laughs> Put that on a shirt, why don't you? That. <laughs> that's the bio. Imagine that's your new bio. People are like, that's a brave bio. But Wait, what is, your, your Instagram bio is sexy, gorgeous, and humble. Wow. Self-aware. <laughs> Self-aware king. Jeez, we love it. It's we the love humbleness it. that really resonates. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we've also got some questions that, that the fans have sent in. So, does the flu exist or is being sick just for poor people? Wow, who sent that one in? We'll just skip. So we'll we'll skip past that one. Um, on TikTok, TikTok's the streets. That sounds like a TikTok question. Do doctors have secret WhatsApp groups? Uh, well, not know. secret, but like you know, like a code goes in. But you have WhatsApp groups with other doctors. We do. Unfortunately, we do. Do you they, got like you should have seen this guy's dick? <laughs> that happens on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a WhatsApp group. Um, no, the the WhatsApp groups exist. They're very helpful, but they're very irritating as well. Like when you're on leave and someone's like. At McKenna, um, do you know what rash this is? 
I was gonna say, yeah. I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I'm in Ibiza. I'm specializing in STIs. <laughs> that looks exactly like the one I saw last night. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Take away his license. <laughs> Get him back to earth. <laughs> um, no, I. The WhatsApp groups exist. They definitely exist. But they're. Like, I can't say it better. They're super irritating, but they're super mm. important. Okay. And, like, you know, in the movies, like, the people have the beepers. Mm. We don't got that. We just have WhatsApp. So okay. WhatsApp is honestly what runs medicine. If I couldn't hit some mom up and be like, listen, I'm confused about this patient, mm. please help. And we have, we actually have like dermatology groups in big hospitals where you can post fi- pictures of, of like a rash or something that you're concerned about. So topical things or like a fracture on an x-ray and then an orthopod will reply and like be like, no, you got to manipulate it in this way. So, I mean, obviously, as, as you, like you that's said, helpful. you can't know everything. Um, and that's why consultants exist. Mm. They're like there for the reason of exactly that, the WhatsApp group. Um, and then we have cool apps as well that have been developed where you can put a patient's entire history and examination in and then add some photos or whatever you need. And that gets sent to a database. And the person on call at Khuriski or Tigerberg will then see that patient profile. Oh, wow. And they can... Like, give advice they can accept the patient to the clinic they can say bring the patient to casualty mm, um, that's also very very valuable in medicine wow. have you watched big hero six i have do you ever think you'll be that good at being I, a doctor i like to think so but never that good never that good yeah. and you won't make actually you could make me cry based big on hero several six is too sad <laughs> it Honestly, is too I sad cried like a small child that. that's just a, like um like up it's like they get you in the first like 10 minutes Honestly, that moment in up with it like balloons i was already crying with the balloons <laughs> <laughs> with the balloons it is we've got one more segment we like doing and we do it at, at, with every show with every guest when we do our own thing as well overrated underrated chloe please explain the concept it's too much for me i just have the topics <laughs> okay so if something like let's say we ask you spinach overrated or underrated underrated maybe it needs like more hype, more attention, overrated, be made on that. Sure. It's just upvote, downvote. Da, upvote, cool. downvote. Okay. okay. Is ivermectin overrated or underrated? Overrated. Is As fuck. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone feels strongly about that, Chloe. Well, take it easy. Steroids, but with your gym bro, overrated or underrated? Overrated. How badly? Significantly overrated. Can I can I give some um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah some, like, <clears throat> to what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, for, take it um, away. I think we touched on it earlier. You know, it's just, don't do it, man. And people are doing it already. Like being huge in the gym is fine. It's overrated. Probably. Only guys are impressed. By <laughs> <laughs> Only yourself, probably, and like the boot next to you. Maybe he's not even impressed. He's just like mm. you're probably on roids. That's, yeah, um, exactly. So don't do it. The House of Dragon. Have you watched it? Overrated. I oh, I've watched it the other day. My God, incest. Overrated. Overrated. Uh, yeah, overrated. overrated. The <laughs> sex scenes are grained, are color graded poorly, so you can't see. Like Game of Thrones had the perfect oh, amount of darkness. Sure, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. This one's just you. too heavy. Chloe, what's your one you got? What? Oh, did you want me to ask you if anything's overrated or underrated? <laughs> You've got a thing that says overdressed, so I thought maybe you'd be. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and and the last one is of course. Is the silo virgin active overrated or underrated? I knew this question was going to come. It's underrated. It's the best place on it's earth. It's the best place. Honestly, it is the best place on earth. Heaven on earth. <laughs> it's the Dyson hairdryer. That every <laughs> time amazing. I see that hairdryer, I'm like, 
how am I training here? I have said that to everyone. I said, there's a Dyson hairdryer at every single mirror. Hello? Like, I can't afford even one of those for exactly. my entire house. And, and it's just the people there. Like, Michaela, there is a two. He's a solid two. They're just <laughs> sevens and eights. Look at his face. He's a two there. They're nines and tens just walking and roaming the earth. Especially on the Stairmaster. That's where you find the hotties, yeah. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> True that. We what must stay focused, brothers. <laughs> Ten push-ups. No, what a mess. But thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's, been, it's been insightful. I didn't expect it to be this wholesome. I've certainly learned a lot. There were a couple of words I had no idea what it was about. So I put on a brave face. But it's been fantastic. It's been enlightening. And thank you yeah, for being so generous with your time. Thank you for having me. It's, no, it's I awesome. love being here. I really, like I said conversation is what makes the world go round. I always say that and it's been a privilege to be here thank you lovely Chloe anything any parting shots from you I don't know go and follow Grab by the Balls on read his blog that's awesome and where else on Instagram Instagram uh, is my biggest platform and then if you can go give some love to Waterfront Medical as well that's the new journey Um, that's what we're doing at the moment Mm -hmm. Um, but Grab by the Balls on Instagram and there's a Facebook page Grab by the Balls with a little bit more longer content yes unless you are of course a man in a relationship then get your girlfriend's phone and just block the account (laughs) it's the only way we will survive see you next time Bye. bye